According to the Bible, all believers in Jesus Christ have a gift. Now, we don't all have the same gift, but each of us has a gift. And what we are to be about as believers in Jesus Christ is trying to develop that particular gift that God has given us so that we can use it to grow the kingdom of God. Now, some of us are, are about that, and, and we spend a lot of time with our gift and trying to develop it and, and make it better every day and, and so that we can really be the person that God wants us to be, but so that we can really be out doing what God wants us to do. On the other hand, sometimes we spend an awful lot of time trying to develop a gift that is not ours. Not only is it not ours, but it doesn't belong to any man, woman, or child. And that's because it's God's and God's alone. Well, what I'm talking about today specifically is about revenge. We give it a little less, a name with a little less edge sometime. We, we call it getting even, but it, it's the same thing. You, you know what I'm talking about. Don't get mad. Get even. Yes. And revenge is sweet. See, you learned something today. I thought you sure you'd know that one. Revenge is sweet. Not only is it sweet, it's an art form. But you know what? It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. It's not a gift that was given to us. So why do we spend so much time doing it? We're trying to do it. You know how it works. Somebody makes you mad. Somebody does something to you. Somebody does something to somebody you love. So what you do is, you decide, I'm going to get even. So you plot, and you spend all this time. It, it is an art form. Because you have to spend all this time plotting because you want it to have the maximum effect. And then you go out and you enact this revenge. And then all is right with the world. Right? Well, not really. Because we all know that revenge does not bring harmony to the world. But actually, it, it harms the world. It harms relationships. It harms all sorts of things. But it also harms our relationship to God because we're trying to do something that's not ours to do in the first place. And we're going to look at that here in a moment. A lot of people in the world might agree with Alfred Hitchcock. And I, I've been here a long time, but I don't think I've ever quoted Alfred Hitchcock in a sermon. But this is the first for everything. Alfred Hitchcock said that revenge is sweet and not fattening. Douglas Horton probably is closer to the truth when he writes, While seeking revenge, dig two graves, one for yourself. But as believers in Jesus, perhaps we should see what Jesus has to say about this subject of revenge or getting even. And, and what we find, though, is that anybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ knows that revenge, getting even, is not part of what we do as followers of Christ. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 38. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, 
Turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. But we all know the rallying cry for those who want revenge. Christians even use it to justify their revenge. Maybe you've said it. Well, the Bible says an eye for an eye. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> but I hate to burst your bubble. But if you're using that scripture as a justification for your revenge or your getting even, you are making a terrible misinterpretation of that scripture and you are taking it way out of context. Well, let's read it. Exodus 21 is where it's found in verse 24 and 25. It does say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. First of all, this comes from a part of God's law that deals with physical, physical injuries to humans and to animals. It's not related in any way to insults, okay? Just deals with physical injuries. Actually, it's a part of law that has come to be known as, as Italian law. And someone asked me after the first service, they said, why do they call it Italian law? I said, no, it's not Italian law. It's Italian, T-A-L-I-O-N law. And, and Italian law is intended to make sure that the punishment is appropriate to the crime. So, in God's instance here, God knew that in that society then, and maybe some today, that people were buying their way out of punishment. In other words, they would cause some personal injury to someone or to some animal. And what they were doing is they were able, because they had money, to buy their way out of an equal punishment. And so God says, look, when it relates to these kinds of injuries, the punishment needs to be appropriate to the injury. But also, this kind of law is written so that punishment does not exceed what was done. In other words, that punishment is not overly severe. But here's the important part of all of this. And this is where it bursts your bubble, if you like to say an eye for an eye. Is that the injured person does not get to decide the punishment. Not only... Does he not get to decide the punishment? The injured person does not get to carry out the punishment. So if you believe in an eye for an eye, if you've used that as your excuse for revenge, I'm sorry, it doesn't apply in any way to you. You don't get to decide it, and you don't get to do it. This scripture is totally unrelated to any permission for you to go out and to get revenge. So, just thought I'd clear that up at the beginning. So, what's the principle that Jesus teaches? 
Jesus teaches that kindness, that love and kindness transcend any kind of retribution, revenge, or getting even that you might want to do. In fact, the key point in what Jesus says is that it is up to the person who has been wronged to break the chain of evil action and reaction. Well, Jesus not only addressed it in Scripture, but so did Paul in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. And Paul writes, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Instead of seeking revenge, believers are to be honorable people. They are to be honorable in the sight of everyone. Now, certainly we are to be right in God's eyes. But the church in Paul's time knew the importance of having a good reputation in their community. Because they were persecuted, people looked down on them. And so it was important that they lived honorable lives so that people wouldn't have a reason to accuse them of things. But also to live honorable lives to show that their lives were different because they had been transformed by the power of God. And that's no different today. It's important for the church to have a good reputation in the community. But who determines that? Who determines if the church has a good reputation in the community? You do. You do. First of all, by the way that you act in the community. Because people are going to associate you with Clarksburg Baptist Church. So that's one way. But also the way you speak about the church. The way that you talk about the church at work or to your friends or to your relatives or to your neighbors. You know, I find it odd that people will say about a particular church, they'll say, well, you know, that, uh, our church, it just doesn't have a very good reputation in the community. You know what's interesting? It's usually the people that say that are the same ones who are out running their church down in the community and to their friends. So you wonder, well, how in the world did, did that church get a bad reputation? <laughs> it's because that person went out and talked about the church. You should never do that. You should never do that about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Ever. Ever. You should never go out in the community or to your friends or, or relatives or whoever and badmouth your church. The church is the church, first of all, of Jesus Christ. It's not your church. And secondly, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. All who have the same kind of problems that you do, but all who are striving to live more and more like Jesus every day. Don't talk badly about your church, whether it's this one or whatever church maybe you go to regularly. Don't do that. It is important in the kingdom of God that your church have a good reputation in the community, and that comes by the way that you live, and that comes by the way that you talk about your church in your community. That's important. Verse 18, though, Paul says, if it's possible... He says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with other people. If it's possible. Paul realizes some people are hard to get along with. Some people you will never get along with. We all know people like that. But here's the thing. 
it's still the responsibility comes back to you. He says, if it is possible, in other words, some people, are, you just can't get along with them. But he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. It's still up to you, regardless of what that person says or does. It's up to you to live at peace with others, even those people who are disagreeable. We should never, ever, ever be the cause of dissension. We're to be peacemakers. After all, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. But Paul continues in Romans 12, verse 19. He says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Remember, the eye for an eye is not justification for you to go out and to seek revenge. Because Christians are never, ever, 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 ever to seek revenge. Under no circumstances. We are not called to help God in any way to carry out divine retribution. That is up to God. It is up to God completely. In fact, a great point is that when it comes to divine retribution, and we need to remember this, God has no need of either our help or our advice. God can handle it on his own. It's God's law that has been broken, not ours. It is God who has been ultimately offended, not, our, not us. And so what we need to do is we need to trust God, just like we do in every other area of our lives, to deal with it as he sees fit. Our job is to get along with people as best we can, to be peacemakers, not revenge seekers, regardless, write this down, regardless of what that person has done to you. Regardless of what that person has done to you. It's God's job. God will take care of it if he wants to. He doesn't need your advice. He doesn't need your help. He can handle it. So we need to stop trying. So what should we do? Well, I said earlier that revenge was an art form. <laughs> well, here's the real art form. Romans 12, verse 20 and 21. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I, I need to point out this burning coals thing. Uh, it's not kind of a, a little way of saying, well, you'll get some revenge by being good to them. Because, no, that's not what this is talking about. All he's saying here is that when you're nice to people who are not nice to you, um, you know, they may feel guilty. It may cause them to have a sense of guilt in their lives. But that should never give you any satisfaction. That's not why he says it here. It may be the person may turn around because they feel their guilt, but it is in no way meant for you to have any kind of, of satisfaction related to it. But rather, what we are to do is feed your enemy. Give your enemy something to drink if they're thirsty. I always hesitate to, to preach on this particular passage of Scripture because one of the greatest sermons I ever heard in my life 
uh, was preached using this text. Uh, Ken Miller, who is the pastor at First Baptist in Weston, uh, preached and used the scripture at the state convention several years ago, and it was an incredible sermon. And, and I just, I, I listen to it often, actually. I, I have a recording of it. But I will share a story that, that he shares in that particular sermon. When he first got out of seminary, he was a youth minister in this church. And there was one deacon in the church who didn't like youth ministry, and he didn't like Ken. And so he just was always on Ken. He rode Ken just mercilessly. You know, he tried to get him fired on a couple of occasions. I mean, he was just, he was just awful to Ken. One day, they were on this bus trip. It was kind of an all-church thing. It was in August, and they were traveling. Uh, this deacon was sitting in the front row behind the driver. Ken was all the way in the back, and the air conditioning broke on the bus. Well, they lowered what windows they could, but it was still hot. So they're driving along, and they're all just miserable. And this deacon loud enough for everybody in the bus to hear, says, oh, if I just had an ice-cold Coke, I am so thirsty. And they'd go down the road a little bit, and he'd say again, oh, if I just had an ice-cold Coke, I'd, I'd just, oh, I'm so thirsty. And Ken said he's sitting in the back of the bus, just smiling inside, because at his feet, in his little personal cooler, was an ice-cold Coke. <laughs> And so he says to himself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to take out my ice cold Coke. You know, it's dripping. It's going to drip all the way up the aisle, all that condensation dripping off of it. He says, I'm going to walk right up by him, and I'm going to pop that top, and I'm going to take a big drink of that Coke. I'm going to get even with him. So he reached down and he took out the Coke and it's dripping and he goes walking up the aisle and everybody's looking at him and everybody knows what he's going to do. He gets right up to the front of the bus. Guy looks up at him. He takes the Coke and he hands it to him and he said, here, here's your Coke. And he went back and sat down. What happened was he overcame evil with good. He didn't get revenge. His enemy was thirsty. He gave him something to drink. From that time on, this man was his biggest supporter in the church. And even after he left that particular church, the man continued to follow his ministry and be a part of what he was doing. How different our world would be, how different our families would be, how different we would be, how different our churches would be, if that's the way that we all operated in our relationships with one another. Instead of trying to get even, what if we sought to overcome evil with good? Let's pray.